you spent the time to create the efficiency and effectiveness in your application to hire a process so that back end is scalable and a high quality experience, you can start looking at elements that will drive conversion. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. This episode is brought to you by SageMark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time-consuming. At SageMark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at SageMark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. This episode is a little different than our usual interviews with TA leaders. I was interviewed recently by Phil Strazula from Select Software Reviews. During our interview, we focused on five key areas TA leaders can find cost savings to help them fund innovation and I thought it would be valuable to share with my audience. I hope you find value in it and enjoy the discussion. Thanks to Phil and the team at Select Software Reviews for the opportunity. Hey everybody, it's Phil Strizula from Select Software Reviews, back with another interview with an expert. Today we're talking to Ryan Dahl, who is the founder and CEO of Stagemark HR. Ryan, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, Phil, it's great to be here with you. I'm excited to have another fun conversation with you. Yeah, totally. We talked a couple of weeks ago and I think we both sort of felt the chemistry and we're like, hey, we got to do something that we sort of allow others to view and, and share some of these insights that you shared with me the last time we chatted. And today, what I'm really excited about is actually to spend most of the conversation talking about this whole concept of getting paid to innovate in the HR and TA space. And basically, the big idea here is that you figured out a playbook to identify waste in budget that's just being unused and decreasing that waste, keeping the budget in the TA and HR org, and then reallocating that to the initiatives that people are really passionate about that they need to start solving now that maybe they were waiting a budget cycle for. And you're like, you don't actually have to wait. There's actually a really good way to just kind of take what you've got right now and reallocate it. And so I'm, I'm really excited to talk about that. Before we do, I heard that there was a lucky stretch of your life that you won both a bull riding contest as well as a dance contest within this stretch of like a couple of weeks or something like that. Like, what's the deal with that story? <laughs> this is true. That is a little known fact. And those people who do know me are probably shocked that that's the case. However, uh, yes, uh, early in my career, I had my first job out of college was in Wichita, Kansas. And I moved there and it was a mechanical bull. Let's be clear. I, I did not do an actual bull, but uh, yeah, within the stretch of a few weeks, I, I won a mechanical bull riding contest, much to the chagrin of, of, of many actual cowboys. And then uh, a few weeks later, was just at a bar and they were asking for people to compete on stage and raise my hand and just did some crazy stuff. It was not ballroom or anything other than putting myself out there and acting weird. And yeah, won that contest too. So yeah, little known fact. That's awesome. So you, you're somebody that raises your hand and, and is sort of a doer, which is awesome. And I guess 
that sort of aligns with your career path as well. Do you mind just sort of talking about where you've been and, and what you do today? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I've, I'm a 25-year lifetime kind of uh, talent and, and, and people person. I actually you know, started my career, truth be told, I had a degree in chemistry and, and industrial hygiene, occupational safety, started in health and safety and immediately kind of transitioned into, into HR and the people space. Throughout my career, I held uh, you know, 20 years in talent recruiting, recruiting leadership, talent, and, and always tended to gravitate towards the biggest problems and transformational types of roles. So how can I solve problems for organization and, and build capability? And, and I guess, you know, the biggest kind of step I made is as I was vice president of, of Global TA for a large organization, decided that I wanted to start my own company and kind of jumped off the cliff and just and did it. I don't always recommend that for people. Probably looking back, didn't recommend it for myself, but I, I did it and it, it worked out. And I'm get the, the joy and pleasure of helping TA leaders be successful on a daily basis and absolutely love what I do. That's awesome. From our prior conversation, I know over the course of 25 years, you learn a ton and you're somebody that likes to share those learnings. And so I'm really excited to kind of get into your head. And I, I guess to, to sort of kick off the conversation around this topic of getting paid to innovate, yeah. do you mind just sort of talking at a high level about how do you start to identify the waste in your budget, in your organization? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, what we do and, and who we work with at SageMark HR, we, we work usually with um, the heads of talent acquisition, and they usually would engage us because they need to innovate, they need, or they're looking at specifically some sort of technology, or they've got pain points, they're they want some help addressing. And so we're, we're experts in um, specifically in, the, in how to leverage technology in that space and help leaders innovate. When we do that, there's always kind of, you alluded to it before, there's always this feeling like, I know I need this, but I don't have budget to spend on it. Or I know I need this, but the rest of the organization probably won't understand why we need those types of things. And so Oftentimes, I kind of go through an exercise, and there are, there are a few high-level areas that I'll just go through, and we can do examples if you want, but really yeah. kind of the, the five areas that I tend to look at is a delivery model of the organization, recruitment marketing spend from the organization, how they're leveraging or spending on external partners or services, the current technology that they have in place, what are those contracts and agreements look like. And then specifically at their, their process inefficiency. Those are kind of the five key areas. I'd say they're, they're probably a lot more operational. I tend to gravitate personally towards the operational elements of, of TA, and, and that's where I can add some value to our, our clients to help them think through that. So maybe if you don't mind, we'll just dive into like each of these one by one. Sure. Because I think even on the first one, like I actually need like a proper definition of the delivery model and then where typically might you find this magical gold that can be mined and extracted and, and turned into more innovative projects? Sure. Absolutely. And, and every, so every organization, you know, start out has a budget, has some spend, has, you know, has a delivery model, whether they thought about it or they call it that or not. All that is, is just the scope of service that you provide to the organization, the structure you have, the headcount that you have in your organization, the roles and responsibilities of the people within your organization. So delivery model is just kind of how you deliver the service of, of recruiting or talent acquisition to the organization. Okay, gotcha. And within that universe, I guess, where are you typically 
looking at when you first talk to a company? And I know that you've sort of have this like really amazing process where you can pretty quickly hone in on some juicy areas within a given organization. Like where within this bucket are you finding there's the lowest hanging fruit? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing and what kind of one of my guiding principles is every organization is different. And so there, there is no, like, while my process is pretty similar with them, I'm, I'm always careful not to assume that just because I, I've found something at another organization that this one is the same. So every organization is different. Everyone is a di- on a different kind of path on their, their maturity model or their capabilities. And so really have to understand where the organization is at specific to where they're at, some of the pockets of waste in, in delivery model might be that I routinely see might be, you know, the scope of service is too broad. So if their, their main goal is to deliver recruiting and talent acquisition, but they're also doing some other areas of HR or onboarding or, you know, other areas that maybe outside of, of true recruiting, recruiting scope, Sometimes there's a, a better cost position for the organization to have that handled elsewhere. So that's one. I would also say like, you know, traditional talent, ac- what I'll call traditional talent acquisition delivery models are very people centric, w- which can be good. But the problem comes into when you have to scale that delivery model. And then the only way most organizations know how to do that, unfortunately, would be just to add more headcount. And that's always met usually at organizations with a, a lot of headwinds when you start going to finance and, and, and others to ask for additional headcount. So I always say, you know, we should, we should look at the overall delivery model to match it to the organization's capability and, and, and as well as where you want to go. And you need to think about scale as a perspective. Maybe before going on to recruitment marketing, is there like one specific example where you looked at a company, you identified X and the solution was Y? Yeah. One that comes up a lot and organizations are are thinking about is as you look at kind of the structure and headcount of the organization, usually they have trouble scaling, as I mentioned before, and, and will be engaged saying, look, I, my only solution that I have to go is to add more, more heads. So then I start looking at, you know, we'll get into this later, but okay, so, so what's the roles and responsibilities? What are people doing? What I found is sometimes as much as 75% of the people on the team's activities fall into transactional process. So, you know, screening resumes at, at the front end, scheduling early phone screens or, or scheduling interviews, things like that. Kind of that screening and scheduling can sometimes take up to 75% of the, the team's time. And that's a great opportunity for technology. Now, I always say with that, yes, there's money there in your headcount. You don't necessarily need to cut heads in order to fund this. A lot of it is freeing up those people for higher value activities. So leveraging technology to free your people up for higher value activities, you might be able to, to you know, deal with that through attrition and, and other types of things to get at that funding. Or if you have open positions, you might be better off spending on a tech to address those scale issues. So that might be a few examples. Got it. That's cool. So if you've got a ton of HR coordinators who are just scheduling all day or You've got full desk recruiters who are spending a disproportionate amount of their time scheduling. You can buy a, a pretty simple and relatively speaking, extremely cheap relative to what you're spending on headcount technology to handle 
95% of that. Sure. And then those people can go into sourcing or talking to candidates or, you know, whatever the case may be. Another example in there that I find is a, a lot, I mean, a lot of organizations have their either full desk recruiters or the coordinators or a whole separate group that are basically like extracting data and information, building spreadsheets, trying to do dashboards and, and updates and reports because maybe the tools that they have aren't as robust that there are tools out there that can automate that and integrate with, with your other tools to create your dashboards and things. And then you don't need the spreadsheet builders or people allocating time to building spreadsheets. And you could probably get by with less recruiters. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. What about recruitment marketing? Like what, what are examples there of places where you found waste? Yeah, this, this is a, a huge one. And this is one that over the course of the last year or so that most of my clients have really been kind of focusing on and, and thinking about. I think, you know, historically, there's been a lot of movement around, you know, the importance of a recruitment brand and your employment brand, how you advertise out in the market, sourcing, uh, all these activities. And, and don't get me wrong, they are, they are critically important to the success of your organization. The problem a lot of people are having is they tend to focus a majority of their spend on that, but essentially they're filling a leaky bucket. And so they're, they're spending an inordinate amount of money on their outbound recruitment marketing efforts, but they don't have a sound process behind it to efficiently and effectively move candidates through the process to hire. And so mm-hmm. they've got a lot of candidate drop-off or even worse, maybe they're just spending and throwing a bunch of budget at other tools on the recruitment marketing side, but not being thoughtful around, you know, how is this being allocated and not necessarily reviewing the performance of each of those elements either. And so there's a lot of what I'll call kind of unmanaged spend in this space for a lot of organizations. I, I think there's, there's great solutions out there for this, but some of them uh, on purpose make it easy to spend a lot of money. <laughs> right. Yeah. If somebody's specifically focused on and maybe even paid based on your top of funnel spend, then they have an incentive to increase that. And what I think I'm hearing you say is like, look, you got to understand your entire funnel. And if your application to phone screen or phone screen interview or interview to whatever, if those numbers are well below benchmarks, then you are drastically increasing your top of funnel spend to get that same hire. And we could, you know, do the math at, at a different time, but I would imagine that if you increase your applicant to screen ratio from like a, let's call it like a maybe a 8% would be below average to like a 15%, like pretty good, decent average, like that will decrease your cost per hire by 50%. So that's insane. Yeah. I mean, people, and it's usually you have to have a certain level of capability before you can really start kind of pulling those levers, but it really comes down to a significant amount of of this comes down to conversion rate, right? Conversion rates at each thing, at each toll gate along your process. And if you have, if you've spent the time to kind of create the efficiency and effectiveness in your application to hire a process. So that back end is scalable and a high quality experience and you have the capability to scale that, you can start looking at elements that 
will drive conversion. So it might be something like, you know, I've seen, here's an example. I've seen organizations that have spent a million dollars on their recruitment marketing on job ad spend and agency spend and also, um, you, you know, tools and all these sourcing tools and things, but their application is, you know, 30 minutes long or there, there's, you know, three weeks of delay between application and any touch point and things. And so their, their drop-off rate is, is huge. And if they just would focus on a couple of those elements, they wouldn't need to spend like they're spending because they can dramatically increase their, their conversion rate at the front end or top of funnel of, of, of the process. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of opportunities to focus on conversion and, you know, different types of elements that, that you can get into to, to generate a higher conversion rate at the front end of the process. I think a lot of people look at those arduous applications and they think, what a bad candidate experience. We're, we're kind of hurting our employer brand. And that's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also spending an extra $300,000 a year on job ads because so many people drop off. Absolutely. And I think, too, the other thing is, so other two elements of that is thinking about what the candidate pools that you're looking at. So a couple other examples would be, you know, spending a lot on job ads, but not necessarily having a robust, you know, age old like employee referral program or spending like a couple of organizations I've looked at, you know, spending a ton of money out on job advertisement and sourcing activities, but they never look in their ATS, right? And they've got millions of candidates that are, you know, that, that, that's a higher conversion or a more engaged candidate, usually somebody who's applied before and be, either been through the process or at least has shown interest than going out and, and trying to generate that interest. And so there are elements that you want to, to build out in your organization that, that will generate some of that higher conversion rate for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. It makes a lot of sense. What about these, these other three categories? I believe the third one was third-party providers. Yeah, or just how are you spending money on external partners? So, you know, this is this is an, an age-old kind of rub within within recruiting organizations is you know my external search spend or my staffing spend, and how do we do that? And everybody wants you to go at and, and attack that and things. And I I'm of the belief that you know you're the third parties that you utilize are part of your delivery model. It's an extension of your team. I think it's important. I think it's really hard for organizations to, to build full in-house teams that can address every need. So they are important, but there's definitely, again, if it's unmanaged and, and you don't have a strategy around how you do that and who you utilize and how you spend with them and how you incentivize them, then, then there can be a lot of waste in that space. The other thing I see with external partners or services sometimes would be organizations spending, overspending with external service providers where there could be a cheaper, faster, better way to do something. An example with that would be, I've had a couple organizations that are still like utilizing an outsource provider to manually kind of check references for them. And there are tools that will do that at a third of the price of what you pay somebody to do that. And so that would be a good example where you could make that change, put in a different tool, pay for it, and still have two-thirds of your spend left over to invest in something else or give back to the business. Nice. Yeah. Great examples. Very specific. Yeah. Um, 
the last two you're going to have to help my memory on yeah. what they were. No, <laughs> what I mean, examples. So, so, yeah, so last two is, would be current technology that you have in place. So if you're looking at your strategy and you have people and process and technology, we'll get to process next. But the technology pieces, most organizations have some sort of technology. Some, in some cases, it's just an ATS. In other cases, there's other technology that, that is enabling their recruitment process. One of the problems that, that I hopefully help address for as many TA leaders as possible is really the right way to go out, and, and you do this as well, Phil, is, is to help helping people get better at, at buying technology for, for HR and, and, and TA. And so I see a lot of organizations that have either overspent on contracts, have unfortunately selected the wrong technology for, for what their needs are, and, and, and there's just a lot of waste in, in the technology they have because they're not necessarily getting the appropriate return on investment, or they bought something that, that they're not ready for in, in a lot of cases. So it's hard for organizations to navigate this. This is where you know, a lot of experience is really helpful to, uh, to understand the right fit technology for your specific needs and how to get the right price for where you're at. It's such a, it's such a growing and emerging space. And, and oftentimes TA doesn't have the experience in buying the technology and they have, or there's requirements internally, they have to return, turn it over to a procurement group that is excellent at buying other IT, but not necessarily using this or understanding this space. And so the big arduous RFPs don't always result in the best solution for the TA group's needs. And it, it's a tough space, but can result in, in contracts that are inefficient and ineffective for, for the business. I see that all the time. And I think one of the things we always try to do on our site, in fact, the mission of our site is to really help people to be better buyers of tools and technology for HR and TA, because it's not like you can read a blog post and be really, really good at this stuff. There's a million tips and tricks and situations that are total edge cases. And I, I think, you know, quite frankly, like that's what, where somebody like yourself can add a lot of value from being, seeing this across many different companies and seeing, you know, different contracts with the same vendors or different contracts across multiple vendors, et cetera. But I, I do think it is something that everybody should be, if you're going to plan to not retire in the next five years, you should plan to upskill in this area because it's going to be a huge part of your career. And it can be a make or break sort of thing. At the very least, it's going to be, are you going to be part of one of these top quartile or top decile sort of organizations? Or are you like, you know what, I just want to, have a job. I don't care if I'm at a high performing company or not. And it, it's fine if we, you know, buy the wrong ATS with a three year contract and have to switch halfway through and we're paying for two ATSs or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think that, I mean, that that's kind of our mission is to, to help TA leaders go from reacting to leading and, and take a leadership position. And if you want to be a leader in the TA space going forward, technology and in your ability to build a strategy that helps you identify and have the, the right technology in place for your organization will clearly be a di differentiator for those organizations. And, and those who, who can't do that and don't do that effectively 
yeah, they're going to fail or, or, or just be okay. Like you're not going to win in that space or, or be competitive. And yeah. that's absolutely critical. Yeah. What's, uh, what, what's our last category here? Last category would be process inefficiency. So as you look at, you know, what the process is that you have, where are their bottlenecks, where are their inefficiencies, where is their wasted spend? This becomes a little, you know, of the five, this is probably the most complicated to get the, the payback on short term, but, um, you know, it's fairly easy to get that long term if you're having you know, manual transactions or bottlenecks or poor experience elements that are, they're, they're reducing the yield that you have or the success rate that you have on your recruiting practices can identify some waste there and bring it back. But I think, you know, it, it's definitely an opportunity. This would be probably a little bit longer tail than, than some of the other ones. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, if we've identified the waste in our organization and Maybe advice for folks out there, I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, is to not be like, okay, there's these five different buckets and we've got to map everything and we've got to understand the whole thing. This is going to be a nine-month project. It's like, just focus on one thing and eliminate that waste yep. because that's going to be something that actually gets done versus all this you know, planning and strategy stuff that leads to nothing or it takes a really long time to capture value. After we've sort of done that, like, you mentioned, you know, we can reallocate headcount to things that are more strategic and maybe put a higher increase in place so that over time through attrition or through just non-growth, we're sort of saving this money. What are some of the other ways, I guess, turning off transactional spend on like a monster where you're not locked into a contract? Can you go back to vendors and say, hey, I need to renegotiate this or I need to end this contract early? Like, how do we sort of capture this waste? Yeah, so... Again, it's situational and it's specific to each organization, but I think the right way to do it, you're absolutely right. You don't want to start with, you know, let's do a full-blown, in-depth, nine-month assessment with a hundred different opportunities. And then you definitely want to do this efficiently. You want to prioritize to the biggest return on investment or the biggest areas where you have the greatest amount of issue or waste. And so depending on the contracts you have and how they're structured you might be able to sometimes it's pretty challenging to do that but you you know the great partners or great solution providers out there are, are true partners and want to work with you to be successful and they want to help maybe even reallocate internally to depending on their solution they may have opportunities like you know i i've seen you know some some organizations that have recruitment marketing, advertising, they've got some sourcing capability, they've got some job advertising capability and all these different pockets of their service offering and maybe one area is being underutilized and just not effective, reallocate that spend to boost other areas. So I think that's, that's an example. If you can't renegotiate the contract, what you can do is start earmarking things for when that contract comes up. So a good example of that is maybe based on your maturity model, you went out and identified, hey, best of breed solution for video interviewing is X. We're going to just go out, even though we've never used it before, we're going to go out and buy the best of breed. And it cost me $400,000 a year. Well, after year one or year two, you find out, you know, our adoption rate hasn't been great. We've utilized this, but maybe we're not maximizing our ROI. If we just had a basic video interviewing solution as part of this that we could use it optional or we could just use some of the functionality, 
but it only costs us 100,000, that might be a better fit for us going forward based on how we're utilizing it and the maturity of the organization. So let's identify when this contract comes up, let's identify kind of a tier two, tier three provider that will be fine for us uh, and meet us where we're at and generate you know, a few hundred thousand dollars of savings that we can reallocate at other things. I would say if you want near-term cost savings, if they are you know, month to month or utilization, you know, pay-per-click types of things, doing a programmatic type of approach to job advertising can help you immediately free up some savings there to reallocate. I think also, you know, if you've got open positions or open headcount looking at rather than spending there, allocating other places that can be utilized, some, some external spend that you might be spending on weekly, monthly per hire basis could probably be reallocated pretty quickly. And if you've got excess in in your budget, reallocate that now to generate greater savings year over year going into the next budget cycle. I think some of those are are opportunities. I think through all of these, just take some analysis and understanding of where you're at to be able to to assess what's the most efficient way to get at the money. Yeah. And I think somebody gave me this piece of advice a, a little while ago that really resonated, which is like, just ask, you know, in the, in the video interview scenario that you laid out, you might be able to stick with that vendor with a more stripped down version of the products at a stripped down price. And they, you might find that they're really willing to work with you to keep you as a customer. And maybe they're, they're willing to break that $400,000 contract early if you say, we're going to stay with you over the next you know, two, three years at the $100,000 price. We're not going to use you know, all the bells and whistles, but we're basically, you know, th- that's a trade-off that a lot of people are willing to, to make. And it doesn't hurt to ask. And it also doesn't hurt to make sure that you're asking the right person. If you've got sort of a low-level account manager, if you've got a $400,000 year contract, you probably have somebody who has a lot of juice in the organization. But make sure that you're asking the person who can be creative with these sorts of things, especially if you're trying to do some sort of -of out-of-the-box sort of solution that is a little bit creative. Absolutely. And the best, like in in that space, really the, the, the best partners will want to create value for their end clients. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, that, that, that's going to be their motivation if they're, if they're truly a good technology provider and if they're truly a partner, they'll want to do that. Some of them, you know, they might, they're going to get resistance, right? Because they've all got goals and, and investors and all sorts of things that they have to combat internally. But, you know, to your point, they, they want their solution to have the greatest impact for their clients. And, and, and so, yeah, asking the question and partnering with them and how they partner, you know, that, that's a critical piece to, to, to how, you, how you assess technology solutions for, for fit for your organization is how they partner. So, you, so you're right. Ask the question. And yeah, I mean, we, we see that all the time. And I, I you know, I, I work with both clients and solution providers all the time to try to construct these to best fit for them. Yeah. And I think this is probably a different conversation, but I I think you also have a lot of leverage in that conversation if you're a good customer and you bought through an efficient process and you implemented efficiently and you are successful. If you sort of, it's, if it's been a disaster from day one, and sometimes these disasters happen because of the vendors, sometimes they happen just because of practitioners. Usually it kind of takes two to tango sort of thing, but if you've been a great buyer and customer, you have so much more leverage to be basically be like, hey, look, 
we're not using the 300K worth of stuff. Can we do 100K? You get to keep us as a customer. And if you've been good, they're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, yeah, and, and maybe we grow over time, right? That, yeah. hey, we, we, what we bought, we're not mature enough to handle right now. That's been proven out over the last year. Let's scale it back and, to meet us where we are. We're still transforming. We're still improving our capability. We're, you know, we're going to be better. And when we are, we're, we'll expand with you. We'll remember this and expand with you to be able to leverage that capability. Yeah, I, I think that's critical. And you know, the point you brought up, about being a good buyer of technology, I think is critical. And I, I can't tell you how many organizations I work with. It's so frustrating that we go through all this work at the front end. And even though it's efficient and we look at, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is our plan. We've got our technology roadmap. We've identified the areas where we're going to get the spend to be able to fund these types of things. And then all of a sudden, even though I coach them, I say, hey, you need to be a good buyer. This isn't you don't need to go out now and do an RFP with you know, 50 different providers or 20 different providers and have 20 decision makers on the backside who've never bought this type of thing before and, and put all these solution providers through the ringer to drive them down on price because you want to find, you know, we, we can clearly identify who the right fit is based on your requirements and your spend and your maturity and all these types of things that we should partner with them through this process to help design the right fit solution for your needs. Like we're not buying commodities here where we're going to just drive down and prices everything. And we're going to, we're going to you know, be very difficult for these solution providers. Cause you're right. You're sending a clear message to them on how you're going to partner and, and you need them. It needs to be a mutual partnership to truly have success there. Yeah. And I think people who are good buyers definitely get compensated for it. So I've got two last questions for you. The first is we've identified the ways we've, you know, renegotiated, you know, whatever the case may be, we've got, you know, 200K saved in the budget. How do we as a TAHR org make sure we keep that budget and marketing doesn't steal it or engineering doesn't steal it? And then the last question is, how do we know, how do we sort of reallocate that? Like where have you, where, what are best practices and pitfalls um, and maybe a specific story or two around how do we make sure we make the most of this new budget? I'll start with the first one and I'll, I'll, I may blend back and forth between those questions because they may overlap based on kind of how we interact with clients and, and, and prioritized uh, initiatives and things. So the first question was around, after you identify this savings and this opportunity, how, how do you keep hold of the budget? Now, this is, I mean, it's, a, it's a big problem. I see this a lot. Oftentimes, unfortunately, TA organizations are in positions within their respective organizations where they're caught in a reactive mode and they're reacting to everything and they're not leading. And, and so TA leaders through a good sound strategy, good ROI business cases or high ROI business cases, as well as how they position themselves in the organization to lead versus kind of react, um, I think is really important. And by doing that, by having a well kind of thought out plan, clear documentation and data that shows by investing in this, this is the return on investment we're going to get. This is the experience that it's going to generate. These are the, the kind of key performance indicators that it's going to drive for the organization. By having that type of position or position statement or documentation or strategy in place, oftentimes, 
they're able to position themselves as leaders and not have this money go back. I also think having, as part of that strategy, having the home, the home for that money documented and thought out is really important. You don't want to just start with saving the money and then do that presentation because that'll get grabbed quickly. I think it's more around, hey, this is the, these are the solutions that we need and what we've prioritized to generate the greatest return on investment for the organization and help us improve here's how we're going to pay for it. That's usually met with a very positive response from the organization. And, and oftentimes, many of the organizations that I work with on this are able to fund everything they need and have money left over to give to the business. Like that, that's a huge win, right? That's the kind of stuff that they're going to build statues of these TA leaders over, right? That's, that's, that's really good stuff. So that can happen. That's amazing. So going on to... The next question that you asked was more around like, how do, you, how do you prioritize or how do you make sure that with this money, you buy the most impactful things? I think that's, that is really, really critical. And that's a big challenge um, for a lot of organizations. I think there, there are some issues in TA right now of just, you know, shiny object. Uh, organizations are bombarded by all of the tech solutions on a daily basis about, hey, I can do everything, you know, let me solve all your problems and those types of things. And so I think that's a big challenge to be able to prioritize and not just get enamored by marketing materials from the solution provider. So where we spend a lot of our time before identifying solution providers is really helping them take a very honest assessment of current state. So what are your current practices? stakeholder input, like where are the greatest pain points that you're seeing, then going into this waste element and like, where are you wasting either money or where's there inefficiencies in your process? If you could change, you know, and then starting to kind of use all those, those inputs to kind of triangulate around what are the two or three biggest areas of impact? So what are your greatest needs? Prioritizing those needs, then getting into, all right, what kind of so if we're going to find some solutions, yes, there's solutions for these types of needs that you have. What are your internal requirements? So, so where is your maturity of your organization and capability to utilize something? What kind of budget do you have to spend? What's the, you know, what's the pulse in the organization around TA? Are, are, is the organization willing to invest in TA? Is it neutral or are they really not interested in investing in TA? Like, so taking some other thought process to then look at all right, here's the types of requirements. This is the, you know, if this is the ATS we have. This is our process elements, like all the things. So here's our list of requirements that would help me uh, select the right solution and then going out to find that. That's where, like, that, that's where we're able to add a tremendous amount of value for organizations having worked with thousands of solutions and, you know, over a hundred different companies to do that to really help them then take those require build those requirements and then go out and quickly identify what solutions might meet those needs. I think also the, the work that you're doing, Phil, can really be helpful for people to start that, that initial reach out and to find the best solutions for their needs. Well, Ryan, I've, I've learned a lot throughout this conversation. I hope that everybody who listens to this will as well. And I think it's another reminder that this is not easy. This is not something that you can learn in an hour or a week, but this is a really important skill set for anybody in a leadership role 
who wants to move their organization forward, who wants to accelerate their own career. Buying tools, managing budget, et cetera, is, is definitely a skill set that you learn over time. And you've certainly built a tremendous amount of data and expertise, which is why you know you become so valuable to the organizations you work with. And I, I just want to say thanks for sharing some of your insights. And I can't wait to get the word out about the work that you're doing and, and also collaborate in the future. Thanks, Phil. No, I, I, I appreciate that. And it's, it's really rewarding work. And my goal is just to add value to as many TA leaders as I possibly can. And, and I think that that's the, the goal that you have as well. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to more discussions and more partnership and, and helping more TA leaders improve their results. Good stuff. Well, thanks a lot for everybody for checking this out. Phil Strazula from Select Software Reviews signing off. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.